Welcome back to the Euktropolis podcast. This week, we have a very special episode. As promised, we are celebrating the launch of my new album, which is called Heads. But it's not just my new album. This album is truly a community. In May of 2022, I put out the word to my friends and my fans. I said, come and play and sing with me on my new album. And they did. 165 people from 15 countries ended up playing and singing on the album with me. And hundreds more supported the album by purchasing their own UKED and cheering us on. So I want to say a big thank you to everyone who's been involved in this project on any level. I really, really appreciate it. And tomorrow, on February 16th, 2024, the album will officially be launched on all the places where you normally listen to music. Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music. It's also available on old-fashioned CD from ukeds.com. And so today, we're devoting our podcast episode to UKEDS, the album that became a global community. So come with me now. We're going to go together to the UKEDS Gathering, which was an event we held in October out in Santa Fe. We had about 30 UKEDS come to that gathering. I was there along with Chris Parsons, who's been my wingman this whole time through UKEDS. Uh, and it's he and I that you will hear primarily in this uh, podcast. Chris and I go way back. We grew up playing ukulele together in the Langley Ukulele Ensemble, and we've reconnected in recent years. Chris has been a big part of making UKEDS a success. In this episode, we'll be looking back over the last couple years, how this project came to be. We'll be celebrating the launch of the album itself, and even looking ahead to what the future might have in store for UKEDS down the road. So come with me now to the UKEDS gathering in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And if you want to know more about UKEDS, listen to our music, watch our videos, and even join the band. You can do all of that at ukeheads.com. That's U-K-E-H-E-A-D-S dot com. Let's go. Welcome to the Uketropolis podcast. We are live from Santa Fe at the Uke Heads Gathering. Okay, we have a bunch of Ukeheads here in the room. These are not all of the Ukeheads, but we have like 30 out of the 350 or 400 people who are in the band. And so we're going to go around and meet all the Ukeheads who are here at the very first Ukeheads Gathering. So let's go. Do you want to start with yourself? I could. Uh, so I'm James Hill. I'm UKED number 242. I'm from Brookfield, Nova Scotia, Canada. And I'm Chris Parsons, UKED number 1384 from Langley, British Columbia, Canada. I'm Miriam Brogan from Portland, Oregon, and I am UKED 556. I'm Susan Howell from Seattle, Washington, UKED 405, like the highway. Joe Leahy, UKED number 1092 from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Paul Marshall, UKED number 75 from Clinton, Washington. 
Adam Sauter, UCAD 1538 from Naperville, Illinois. I'm Brian Lynn. I'm a UCAD number 1392 from San Rafael, California. Rob, the Yukai Mapu, number 601 from Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Hi, I'm O. Susanna, ukulele from Thousand Oaks, California, number 1438. I'm Nancy Harrison, UCAD number 1661 from Phoenix, Arizona. I'm Moses Kamai, I'm UCAD 1861 from Bristow, Virginia. I'm Elise Tickner, and I am UCAD number 42 from Parkdale, Oregon. Hello, Tim Poitivan, UCAD 608, representing Seattle. Melanie Berry, UCAD 399 from Otis, Oregon. Brenda Dobell, UCAD 1581 from South Surrey, British Columbia, Canada. Hi, I'm Annie Leah, UCAD number 1779 from Toronto, Canada. Hi, I'm Chantal Leblanc, and I'm from Northern Ontario, Canada, UCAD number three. I'm Sherry Krishnan, UCAD 752 from Michigan. I'm Mariana from uh, California, I'm UCAD number 503. Hi, I'm Steve Stromquist from Minneapolis, Minnesota, UCAD 876. Hello, this is Angie Ng from Singapore, UCAD number 1796. We're here in the beautiful home of Daniel Ward and Heidi Swedberg, and we have been just, I don't know, enjoying the absolute lap of luxury and hospitality. And how was the food? This has been something, something else. With this special edition of the podcast, because we're all together in the same room, which is very unusual, uh, we wanted to take a minute to just answer some questions and share some reflections about the process as we head into releasing the finished album uh, that's taken us a year of recording plus a few months of post-production. And now we're on the cusp of releasing the album. And it's been quite a journey, right? It to has this been. point. And so um, we've got a few questions here from folks. There were a few questions that, that sort of center around the origin of the whole project. Where did you get this idea? Uh, where did it begin? And what was the original inspiration to try the project? Do you remember, Chris, how this all started? Your memory is typically better than mine. Do you remember? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do remember it started with a conversation. You and I were trying to find a project that we could do together as, as childhood friends and, and, and musicians, trying to figure out how we could bring the ukulele community together with some sort of project and right. uh, throwing around some different ideas. It definitely evolved as we started, but how did we get to the UKHead images? Is that kind of where it started from, right? Yeah, it's it's kind of hard to go back. Like it was the middle of COVID, right? And, and people were feeling very disconnected uh, from one another. And and although we'd grown up together playing ukulele and playing playing music of all kinds and sports and everything, you and I had kind of fallen out of touch too. And and so we were looking. That's what you, what happens when you move to the other side of the country. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Should have thought that through. Yeah. But um, I I do remember there was a photography project that I was telling you about because yeah. I'd been, for for years I've been doing this sidewalk little, treasures. Right? Yeah, yeah, it was called sidewalk treasures, and um, I guess. There's two kinds of people in the world. People who, when they walk around, they look at their feet. And people who look up when they're walking, 
I don't know. I'm the kind of person who walks around looking at their feet. I've always done that. I I don't know. Um, I run into things occasionally. Um, But there's lots of interesting stuff on the sidewalks. And so I'd, I'd started taking pictures of things that were interesting and weird and usually garbage mm-hmm. uh, that just happened to be kind of beautiful. And um, I started taking these close-up square photos of those things that I called sidewalk treasures. And so I, I was showing Chris and saying, I'm thinking of selling these as sort of like art pieces. Um, what do you think? And Do you remember what you thought? I, I thought, well, that's a neat idea. What else you got? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that's about right. So it was literally like the next week after you said, you know, well, that's that's nice. Uh, good for you. And, you know, I hope that works out kind of thing. And and I could sort of, I think I could sort of sense that in, in your response. It's like, okay, cool. But, you know, what does that have to do with really anything? Uh, and so, I don't know, it was sometime during that week, I just started sketching these little, um, these little heads in the shape of ukuleles. And then by the next week, we had another phone call and... And the idea just started to kind of dawn on us that we could have these identities that were individual, but still part of a set. I think the idea that you belong, but you're an individual at the same time was a very compelling kind of start for a project. What we're finding even here being together uh, over the last few days is that you get to actually know people by their UKED and, and that the UKEDs eventually end up sort of looking like the people who own them. <laughs> it's a very strange phenomenon, but it does, <laughs> but it does happen, right? Yeah. And uh, there, there's something that draws you to the one that you end up picking. So yeah. it's a personality test in a way. Well, I think that was part of the, the design, why they were square, was because we thought they could be used as profile pictures on social media, and it, people would identify with that. And that's why there's so many of them, and we wanted people to have the ability to choose. Because I think Paul and I talked about that, too. It's just, there were so many. I mean, I'm, what did I say? Like, there's 1,879 of these things, you know, but you kind of scroll through, and you get through, you know, page 57 of these U kids or whatever, you're like, that's the one. I don't know why, <laughs> but all of a sudden, one of them stands out, you're like, I've been scrolling for days, and I found it. It's, it's yeah. that one. And that's so it's neat. really, really neat that everybody's kind of found that one that stuck out to them. They're like, yep, that's going to be me. Yeah. And, uh, and, and in terms of the music then, which is sort of like the second half of that question, um, there was so much to do with the project around community and organization and even educational aspects 
Like, how are we going to run these rehearsals and get everybody learning these parts? There wasn't really time to like, write a lot of music. And yet we were able to tap into 10 or 11 songs. We sort of dug back into the catalog of, of uh, songs that were there in, in my catalog that, that had just never found a place. They never found their place before until you kids. And uh, there was one song in particular, which was Lie Dee Die, the very first song on the album that Chris and I had written together in, in your basement, just like one night. I don't even remember when. No. Like it was so long ago. ago. And I, I remember him sending me this, I, you know, again, our time differences. I wake up in the morning, I got a text from him and it's got an audio recording attached to it. And I listen to this thing and I go, that sounds a lot like me singing harmony with James. I don't remember this song at all. And he said, we wrote that. It was probably 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was just a random night we got together and, and, and we we're just hanging out in the basement. And as usual, instruments start coming out and we're jamming around and we you know, wrote, recorded and, and shelved it and forgot about it for 10 years. And that kind of was the catalyst to this project. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, what are we going to do with this song? It's just sitting here. Mm-hmm. Um, wouldn't it be cool if we had an entire ukulele orchestra join us and, and, and create something with it uh, and otherwise it would have just sat on my iPhone for the rest of eternity so it's kind of cool that you've all helped you know bring that back to life and my heart is singing At the beginning, I kind of felt that this, maybe this was a blueprint for other artists. You know, I thought in an age of streaming where artists are getting paid basically nothing for their recordings and recordings are expensive to make, right? So artists are expected to have these recordings, but you know, streaming means they get beans for them. Um, You know, is there another way? Is there another way to to make these recordings um, into things that can actually put food on the table? And so I thought, well, maybe we, if we can show that there, there's an alternate way that this can be done. The, and, and the more we got into the project, the more we realized how many skill sets it would take to pull off something like this, the more I started to realize uh, this is maybe not a blueprint <laughs> for anybody except us, you know? And we just just happened to have a lot of, this, of the, the, the interests and skills that, that we needed. Um, plus, you married an event planner, which, <laughs> which helped. Yeah, it was a long con. <laughs> <laughs> it finally paid off. just <laughs> <laughs> Singing, 
So here's another question. Um, one of the, this is from Brian. One of the magic tricks of Uke heads is that you've created content that works for Uke players on every level. Uh, each song has a theme for teaching. Um, Brian, did you want to actually read this yourself? It makes more sense if you do it. Yeah. Hi, this is Brian from San Rafael. Um, just read. So thanks for you kids. The monthly rehearsals and deadlines kept me engaged and gave me something to look forward to and stress out about from month to month. <laughs> uh, one of the magic tricks of you kids is that you've created content that works for you players on every level. And each song has like a theme for teaching. For example, in Solid Gold, we learned harmonics. In summertime, we got a really strong lesson in timing. <laughs> Was this something you actively thought about as you curated the songs and the accompanying rehearsals and lessons? That's a great question. Um, that was also unintentional. Like, I was kind of as, as surprised as anybody that, that the songs and the order that we did the songs in, which we can talk about in a sec, um, they just kind of uh, accidentally created a sort of somewhat educational flow of, of skills. That, I mean... I'd like to take credit for that, <laughs> to say that we'd, we'd plan that out and we knew that that was going to happen and that each month you would learn a new skill. And, but that really, that surprised me as much as anybody. Um, first of all, you had the, there were a number of surprises and kind of like just happy serendipitous things that happened on this record. One was the order of the songs. Mm. You remember right at the beginning when we all took a vote on which songs we should do in which order? And I think that was mostly based on hearing the demos that I'd shared with you guys and sort of which ones you liked. And we sort of, well, let's start with the ones we like the most. Um, and that ended up being the order that we voted on that day ended up being the final order of the CD. Like, we never changed anything after that time. And there was no saying that that should have been a satisfying running order for the set. It just kind of felt right. And then as we were listening back to the songs in the order that we re recorded them in, not only was it a satisfying order of songs, but it also was like going back through your through your photos on your phone, like in, in, in a timeline. You know, you could remember what you were doing when you were recording Lighty Die, and then you remember what you were doing when you recorded Summertime. And, and it, it almost became like this uh, flashback, you know. And we felt that if we'd started, uh, like, replacing and reordering the songs, it would kind of mess with that memory timeline of, of the whole year. And as it turned out, we didn't have to. Like, it, it just really fell into place in a very... Um, intuitive and serendipitous way. So that's one thing that really surprised me. And, and the second thing is how we didn't set out for it to be an educational initiative at all. But it did end up being, um, being that just by virtue of what we knew the songs needed and therefore what you guys had to learn that month. But Solid gold. If it ain't solid gold, then it might just be 
I, you know, I like to say that the the UCADS project has been this sort of third rail in my life because my life has always been sort of split in two between my artistic projects, me writing my songs and, and you know, the audience just sitting there and listening. And on the other hand, me as a teacher going around giving classes and telling people what they should be doing to sound better. And, you know, like that's, that's a whole life into itself. But there's this sort of third rail between them now, which is UKES, which is neither an entirely educational uh, effort, and it's not just an artistic effort. It's not just me playing my songs and the audience sitting there. It's this middle ground that I can only describe as creative community. That's kind of the word that I've settled on, or the term at least. It's become a creative community, and it, it, it's uncharted, you know, that to me is is really exciting, and we're just going to have to follow the thread as we go. Yeah, I think that was the beauty of it. Is um, I would have assumed we would have all just been strumming, you know, and then singing little things. And the fact that the way that James arranged it, that we did have these little pieces where you, you every song was a very unique, you know, lesson, and and you it's some, each one had a takeaway that you could learn from and improve your skills. I mean, we could all just sit there strumming and singing, but. The fact that we have to, you know, drop out at certain parts and, and come back in, and then these these unique rhythms and and just the variety of the music. And again, I think that was a happy accident too, because you could have been really just in a flamenco period, and like there's just this <laughs> entire catalog. But no, like there's there's these songs from all these different, you know, stages. I think of your recording and writing process that gave us all an opportunity to to learn and play different things. And whether you were a beginner ukulele player, intermediate, or advanced you could find stuff that worked for you. And, and whether it was just picking certain parts or singing certain parts, you could choose your own adventure through each song, which was really, really cool. Our Lady of the Snow, which is like I think the second to last full song on the record. Um, that's a very personal one to both of us. Uh, that was that song I wrote after Duncan McKenzie died in uh, in, the, in an avalanche, and we did, I didn't I don't think we really. How did that come about? Because I went to school with Duncan's sister. Right. So I was good friends with Duncan. Yeah. And um, and he was living up in Whistler, BC, and he was a ski patroller up there and he was out um you know uh, told his girlfriend he's going out for a ski went out with some buddies into the back country and his, he was a professional 
ski patroller. He knew where to cut. They knew the ridge was dangerous and uh, cut it about two feet too low. And it swept him up and um, he didn't survive. So mm. I remember how, like, I'd just been with uh, uh, one of our other good friends. It was his um, bachelor party. We went uh, sturgeon fishing in BC and, and the three of us were out there together. And I've got a picture in my living room of us holding this eight foot, 10 inch sturgeon that I caught and, and the three of us holding this thing. And, and not long after, I was supposed to actually go up skiing with him the following weekend and he passed away. Mm. And so when I was recounting the story about how we'd lost Duncan uh, to James one night over, over a, a beer uh, and... Um, he had known Duncan's older sister, yeah. and uh, he, he, a couple of days later, you know, called me and said, uh, I, I want to show you something. And this is something that he had written after I kind of retold the story of everything that ha- had happened. And I just couldn't believe how he had captured that emotion and, and all the details and just made it into such a beautiful piece. It wasn't a, a sad song in a way. Like, it, it was just, it was just, just captured it so beautifully um, as only... I think you could, you know, like the way that you put that into words uh, and to music was just incredible. So, yeah, we both had a real personal connection. And so um, I appreciate I appreciate that James had, had written that song and I'd almost kind of forgotten about it. And again, until this project where he said, what about what about this one? Um, this is another one that he'd kind of written, recorded some demos of or we'd played around with. And, and the fact that this came out to be a UKID song. And again, it would have been lost for all of eternity if it wasn't for this UKID's project. It would have just been, you know, shelved, I think, forever. So, Yeah, but we also debated over whether to include it. Yeah. Well, it was so different from all the <laughs> yeah. other songs. We we didn't think that the UKID's community would buy into that one. And I think yeah. once we talked about it on a Zoom and, and played it, everybody went, that has to be on there. That's a great song. Yeah, and, and right up until the couple of weeks before we, that rehearsal I was still on the fence about it I, I really didn't know if it would fit on the record because the record's very celebratory as you know like it's very fun it's very loud <laughs> and uh, I, I felt that the songs that would that would do best on the on the record were songs that were like jubilant and where we could all sing together we would all just raise our voices together and and feel like we were just one big voice. I mean, that's what I needed at that time. Mm -hmm. And so I was really skeptical as to whether a song like Our Lady of the Snow was going to read for for anybody except us, you know? And then as I'm looking through these comments here today, like a number of people have picked it out as like, that was the most important song to me, you know, in the whole process. So... You were right. <laughs> <laughs> we have that on recording, right? That's recorded? <laughs> yeah. James admitting I was right? Yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> and, and I am so glad that we, that we got it in there. For you, what was the most challenging part of the whole process? For me, what was the most challenging? Great question. I think probably the same as uh, as everybody. I didn't realize what was going to go into this project, and uh, it sounded great. 
James says, oh, I can make that work. I'm like, really? If, if you had 400 people send you an audio recording, you can put that in there and make it sound good? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I got that part. So I thought, well, that's the hard part. Until I realized I wasn't really sure how I was going to record my parts. And I didn't know how I was going to sing. And I listened to myself back, whatever. You know, it, it sounds cool along with the track. And then I go and mute and went... I should never sing again. You know, like, <laughs> it's amazing how vulnerable you feel when you start listening back to yourself with no backing track. And so I think getting through that headspace and, and learning along with all of you, because I'm, I'm not a professional musician. I don't, I don't record for a living. And so James and I, yeah, we've recorded since we were kids in, in the basement. And, and uh, uh, you know, we, we come up with random songs, but that's not what I do. So I was learning along with you at the same pace in real time how to record cord this i had to go out and buy a little thing to plug my mic into and plug into my computer and download the software and you know like i went through the same things you all did while we started this project because it sounded great in theory until he said okay it's due <laughs> went, oh mm -hmm. me too huh okay i'll send i'll, I'll get right on that <laughs> yeah I don't know who this was. Who, who wrote this? How do you make everyone sound so good? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but this is the part that I'm really interested in. Um, the person didn't, I didn't ask people to put their names on it. Oh, is it you, Angie? Okay. Um, would you like to read it? Uh, okay. The, the she part, came all the way from Singapore to ask this question. <laughs> it's the second part that's especially interesting. Yeah, so I would really like to know how you make everyone sound so good. And do you have some guiding principles where too much cleaning has been done and it's no longer true the, to the performance? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, you know, how do you make everyone sound so good? How do you corral all of those parts and not over-polish it, right? That, I think, is the sort of... That's the razor's edge when you're in the studio with this project is, you know... You have to appreciate that people aren't in the room together, so they can't vibe off each other. So there is going to be some some disagreement about certain rhythmic things or certain pronunciation things, where to close words, things that would be obvious if we were just sitting in a room like we are right now. And you have to make some allowance for that and say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna fix those things because I think those things would be fixed if we were together. And I think I can allow myself that. You know, I don't think it's, um, I don't think it's overstepping to, to fix those things. Um, but how do I not overfix it so that it loses the personality of, of the group? And I think, I think, um, I think we did a good job at that. Mm -hmm. But that was always a tug of war between, you know, do we, there's that one person who's hanging, hanging on to that note just a little too long. Let's just leave it. 
you know, uh, and there are moments where I know when I'm, when I'm listening and I hear the band singing in the background and I know I can hear that one voice, that one person, uh, you know, but who was it? <laughs> who shall, re- up. Who oh. shall remain nameless? Uh, you know, but that was part of the, the fingerprint of, of the album is that it would have these identifiable kind of loose threads occasionally just kind of in the mix. It, um, and that was the flavor that I was going for. But at the same time, it was always teetering on the brink. Because with modern technology, you can, you can clean up everything. I mean, you, you can make it sound absolutely pristine and completely devoid of any personality. That is possible. Um, but it was always a question of, like, like any art, standing back from it and knowing when you're finished was always the, the question. And I, I flatter ourselves to, to say that I think, I, think I think we split the atom on that one. We, we, we got it right. You've captured that in, in, in the way that you were able to mix it all together. Is, is it feels like a studio production. It's a professional sounding CD, but it has life. It, mm. It's not computer generated. Yeah, and somebody here in these, in these uh, question papers that I'm holding in my hand, uh, I can't find it right now, but somebody says, you know, what was the most surprising part of the project? And for me, because I'm totally obsessed with the music and everything for me stems from the music, for better or for worse, everything comes back to the music for me. Um, one of the things that surprised me that I guess I could have seen coming, but I, I just didn't, I didn't. And that is that the songs, listening back to them now, listening back to the original demos, they sound incomplete compared with the final product with all the UKs singing and playing. And I guess maybe at first I was kind of thinking, okay, how can I make room for all these people? You know, like uh, there's the song and now I'm just going to sort of glue these parts onto it. And that's not at all how it ended up sounding. <laughs> it ended up sounding like these parts needed to be there and that without them, it just wouldn't be the song. Uh, and now when I listen to them, there's kind, of a, there's kind of a relief, almost like a satisfaction, like they're, they're complete now where they weren't before. That surprised me. I did not expect the UKEDS parts to have such a profound effect on, on the music itself. Um, you know, to go so far beyond the novelty of like, oh, I've, this is a bucket list item I've always wanted to be on a CD, and into the realm of like, these voices need to be here in order for this music to be what it needs to be. That was a surprise to me.
couple of folks who have written really nice kind of comments that are not so much questions as they are comments. Would you guys mind just saying them into the mic for us and then we could either reflect on them with you or just say thank you very much and we'll use that soundbite somewhere. Um, I mean, Chantel, would you, would you do that for us? Do us the honor. Yeah. So yes, Lady of the Snow, it was my favorite song on the whole album uh, because it's a beautiful song. Um, but also for a special reason, um, I have a special ukulele student who's my niece, and she's, I've been teaching her on and off on our visits to Vancouver whenever we visit, and she turned 14 last year, hmm. and we were in Vancouver in April, so I was able, and I bought her a UKED as a gift for her birthday because her birthday's in July Yeah. when it, uh, when it, all the project came together. I don't know. My voice is very wobbly. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway, she, um, so I was there with her. So I was able to, um, mentor her and, and, uh, get a vocal track laid down, show her how to record. And so she came over and we, we did that together and she's on the album. That's She's so cool. head number 12 or 3. So it's really special for me for that reason. And also, thank you for writing such a beautiful song about such a sad thing. <laughs> I think a lot of people will love it too. Thanks, Chantel. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> love it. Yes. And of course, my son is also a UKID. Um, Many of you know Alder, you've met Alder. So uh, I think bringing the next generation in is very important and special. Alder played um, an important role. He, uh, he helped me with the mixing. And he would, after a while, he, would, he knew people's numbers and he would say, is that Brian? <laughs> or, or is that, is that uh, he had some of his favorites, Chantel, he would always pick you out because he knew your number, right? So he's, is that Chantel? Can I just hear Chantel in solo? And, <laughs> and like, so uh, it was great to have his help and, and just having the, the next generation involved is, is pretty cool. Um, I think this is Adam. Would, would you mind reading that? Yeah. <clears throat> Music is a very passive experience for most of our life and for most of the population. We listen to other albums, attend concerts, watch music videos. This experience has been a gift beyond expectations. Thank you for trusting us with this experiment and giving us all a bucket list item to check off. The memories are lifelong, and thank you for having such a positive impact on music and its future. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. That's it. Exactly. Yeah, Steve, what would you Steve? like? Can I just add lib? Uh, of course you can add lib. Yes, yes. Uh, hi, I'm Steve Stromquist from Minneapolis, 876. I saw the UKED community uh, project that James was starting, you know, so long ago uh, as an opportunity to take a peek behind the curtain of what a professional musician does, uh, which uh, admired James' work. And uh, it was an opportunity to sit in with him every month, get an education, and uh, hear what, a little bit about what he does in his studio. 
and uh, not being a musician myself, but loving music and liking to participate in things um, and being a player uh, was really satisfying and uh, a great memory and uh, a great group of friends Mm -hmm. that I have in this room now that I want to thank for making it possible for me to be here. Right on. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Brenda Dobell, UKED 1581. I finally remembered that number. Um, (laughs) I feel like I have to represent at least six other UKEDs from British Columbia who would have died to have been here and are desperately hoping that there will be a repeat in British Columbia or close. Anyway, one of those UKEDs said to me when I was wondering whether or not to become a UKED, she said... It's James Hill. You will have fun and you will learn something. And I've had more fun than I ever expected. And I have learned a bunch. So thank you, James and his amazing team. Chris, thank you. Thanks, Brenda. (laughs) That's great. What's next? It's something we've talked about a bit here, together. Being together almost feels like, until we got together like this, the 30 or so of us, this was what's next. It, the, the next thing was to get together in a room. Uh, and now that we've done that, it's like, okay, what's beyond this experience? Um, that was kind of the, the back wall of the concept when we started it. It was like, we'll get to the record, We'll, we'll finish the album we'll put it out we'll maybe get together like this and beyond that it was foggy the fog was too thick you know, we couldn't see that far into the future so now I feel like the community has caught up to where we envisioned that this could go and the next steps we're going to take together and I think that's I think that's cool uh, we've talked a little bit about what might come next uh, we still have songs that we want to do in fact, we've got quite a few songs <laughs> that we want to do. Uh, I can, I hope that we'll bring more people into the band. Um, Uku Loudly is a new initiative on Euctropolis, some of you know about. Um, it's kind of, uh, um, it gives people a taste of what it's like to be in a big, 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 big band. And I hope that 
those folks, some of them will find their way to us, you know, and participate in the next phase of whatever uh, UKEDS becomes. But I think from this point on, we're, we're writing the script together. Yeah, and I think the more, you know, we've already started those discussions, but the more that you can all be involved in that process and what you would like to see happen. Because I think, we're yeah, we, we thought, okay, UKEDS, this is a great project. And yeah, now we've done the CD and we've done the gathering. What's next? But I think UKEDS 2.0 was a really exciting idea as well because there's more music to be made. We sound better together. We do. Yeah. That, that, that's... That goes beyond ukulele. <laughs> we sound better together, you know, and and this is a this is that very idea in action. So um, watch out for you know season two yeah. <laughs> coming soon. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in for this very special episode of the Uketropolis podcast. I'm James Hill, Uke Head number 242. And tomorrow, February 16th, 2024, the album Uke Heads will be streaming on all music platforms. And our latest video single, which is called Lucky in Love, came out yesterday on Valentine's Day. And you can watch that for free on YouTube. Just search YouTube for UKEDS or click the link in the show notes. If you'd like to join UKEDS, we'd love to have you in the band. Go to UKEDS.com to learn more and browse through the UKEDS that are still available to be claimed. I'm sure you'll find one that you love. Before I sign off, I want to say a big thank you to everyone who made this project a success my family, Anne and Alder, who have supported me in so many ways through this project and many others. Uh, My wingman, Chris Parsons, as well as Cheryl Parsons. Um, My staff at Utropolis, Angela, Jolt, Paul, Sayara. Uh, To Heidi Swedberg and Daniel Ward. To everyone who joined us at the UKEDS gathering in Santa Fe last October and participated in the taping of this podcast thank you to nick and blair and everyone at ukulele magazine for their support from the very beginning and to friends who helped amplify our message aldreen and the ukulele underground crew uktown podcast brad bordessa jim deville and pop-up uke matt at uke magazine most of all Thank you to each and every member of UKEDS, those who performed on the album, and those who cheered us on from the sidelines. I can't thank you enough. This album has been a great adventure, and I look forward to what the future brings. Thank you. And until next week, keep on strumming.